Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Aparuta de Sangamatasa Tawaraya Sorvantabamunjantu Satang. So this is a observance night and the one week left of this Vasa. It's gone by so fast. This is like we just entered Vasa. And uh, it's, I think as you get older time goes by so fast you you're dead before you know it (laughs) (laughs) so it's uh, retreat time for the in the monastic sangha especially dedicated to you to because you've made this very strong commitment to the holy life and uh so it's something that uh, that is worthy of respect because not many many human beings will ever commit to this much to it. <clears throat> but it is, uh, you know, it's it, to the world. Of course, it's a very Odd thing to be uh, a monk or a nun, celibate, renunciate, all these kind of words. Uh, because in the worldly life, it's uh, the pleasures of the senses and the excitement, the romance, the adventures uh, uh, that are so inevitably promising and tantalizing too. Uh, to humanity at this time and there's more options more kind of marvelous things Um, huge population all kinds of problems but at the same time these kind of um, miraculous inventions that uh, human beings are so clever manipulating condition phenomena to, to such an extent that uh, to distract oneself is very easy, you know, like the, the reading, a, they made a, a movie called uh, Social Network. It's, uh, I think, one of the first modern movies made about the Facebook, the, you know, this sense of connecting on a virtual uh, kind of friends on, on Facebook, where you sit in your room looking at a computer and talk or express your views and opinions across to your 700 uh, friends that are all scattered, you know, from Cape Town to Melbourne to Kathmandu, Beijing, and Moscow. And then, of course, the neighbor next door, you don't even know their name. (laughs) It's kind of, you know, where you, you can, you know, you get lonely or distressed or anything, you just click a button and there you're talking to one of your friends where, you know, you can 
say whatever you think or and uh, pour out your heart and of course they're far away and on the other side of the planet or somewhere else. <clears throat> so it is a, you know, the karma of such a, such a thing is very, you know, it quite interests me to see what the resultant karma of all this will be in the future. Of course, it's so new. I think Facebook started around 2004 and uh, that's only six years ago. And so the, uh, uh, you know, the world is, uh, on the condition level, is, uh, is you know, it's uh, fascinating, interesting. But at the same time, emotionally, what does it do to us? You know, where, what happens to us? Uh, you know, through just uh, the endless distractions, entertainments, uh, games that we play, uh, in terms of the emotional result of this sense of isolation or not uh, not really uh, having to deal with problems very intensely but minute, the minute we feel lonely or upset or unhappy or at ease we can distract ourselves very quickly through technology or uh, you know, we have our ways of dealing with with suffering of eating, smoking, drinking, taking drugs, games, sports, distractions, endless possibilities in in affluent societies such as the one we live in. The, the options are, uh, you know, many, many interesting, uh, tantalizing, attractive options for distraction. So, like this retreat is, is uh, you know, this the, the at the same time that this this intensity of conditioned phenomena that is so uh, available now to the average person, there's this growing interest in in stillness and silence and meditation. <laughs> silence used to be like, a, you know embarrassing silences, you had to fill up uh, you know, any, any silent conditions in your life to try to put something into the silence and sound and noise of some sort. The um, modern society is very much uh, emphasis on, on the me and mine, my individuality, my independence, my freedom, my view, my opinion, my rights, it's all, uh, the individual is the important thing of the time, not the family, not the country, not the uh, tribal group or anything, the, the emphasis is on the self, being independent, being free, and uh, this has its good points, the fact that we you know, we're, we don't have a lot of, of boundaries or, or ties to anything when, when we're so obsessed with ourselves, our feelings, how we look, and our position in the society.
but also the incredible loneliness that comes from this lack of being able to connect, of being just, uh, you know, not having any other identity that that is terribly, uh, uh, that has any great hold on us, but the sense of me as an individual, what I think, my rights, what I want. And this sense of freedom, we're free, we don't have a lot of of demands or boundaries placed on behavior at this time with the, almost anything's allowable. There's not social pressure even to conform but to just do your own thing, do what you want. So the result of this, in terms of my own experience, from my own uh, contemplating the suffering, the First Noble Truth, uh, as I can witness it, is loneliness. Even in the midst of of uh, 700 fascinating, exciting friends in Facebook, which it's not, I don't have that problem, but uh, even in the midst of a sangha of good people and uh, popularity and esteem and renown and all the rest, there's still this, uh, uh, you know, kind of this haunting loneliness that comes from uh, just the this uh, where the self the self view becomes the the main thing in your life your position your status your feelings and your my rights what i think wanting to you know wanting to relate to others and yet not having you know, the more one tends to try to develop intimacy and friendliness and and loving relationships, the more isolated one feels. Or the sense of freedom, you know, being free. Uh, uh, I'm independent, I can do what I want. It's always this sense of disease or uneasiness. Because we, you know, we we don't know who we are, we don't we don't understand the conditions we're in. We've never contemplated, looked into life very deeply, but operate from avicca, vajaya sankara, or ignorance. And then the result of that ignorance is, is this uh, helpless, blind attachment to conditioned phenomena that we have very little control over. And yet we don't, we, we know nothing else. So now in my own experience in the monastic life, which is, uh, you know, there's a, uh, as many of you know, I've always had this longing to be a hermit, to be a, live alone in a quiet place. <clears throat> because even in the midst of a big sangha, loneliness still haunts the mind. Uh, and uh, and then, then there's... Uh, and you can always blame it on when you're alone. You can always think think about it as due to the lack of uh, contact with others, or is it something else? Isn't this this realm that we're in this this being incarcerated in a physical form on planet Earth in a sense realm? This is uh, you know one is existentially alone. You know we. We long for maybe a, a, a unification, a marriage, 
a union with somebody else uh, in order to ease this sense of loneliness. But even that has its limitations because people, even no matter how intimate, close, and, uh, and that one might be with somebody else, there's still the separation. And so this, this sense of being, this vulnerable creature, this human form, this vulnerable in a vast universe, and then the, then not knowing what it's all about anyway, and then being, uh, you know, basically conditioned to be ignorant of Dhamma, of not knowing, not awakened to reality. We merely operate from the programs we get from, uh, you know, from the way we're programmed it after birth to think or identify or, or whatever with the family, with the position, the identity with the body and, and the values that come from uh, various societies, cultures, So that's why this uh, first noble truth of dukkha, the first noble truth statement about this very nature of conditioned realm. It's a lonely, unsatisfying experience. It's not meant to be, uh, you know, in itself, it's not meant to be perfect or satisfying to us. It's, it's, we're learning from change, from, from the way things move, rather than trying to find something, uh, that's permanent and will give me the kind of emotional security and take away my loneliness. So one way to, to not have to deal with this is to, you know, join Facebook or have a blog or, you know, I imagine it's, uh, you, you just can get mesmerized into a computer screen. And that's your reality. The, the person next door just gets in the way if they make too much noise. or <laughs> And you don't really want to know them because then you have to deal with some something that breathes and and smells and things like that. They have, they are, you know, the pristine computer friend that's far away in Ulaanbaatar. <laughs> so, this reflecting on loneliness and the existential reality that we all have to live with is being incarcerated in a separate form for a lifetime. And then, like man, the holy life, when we talk about the holy life or monastic life, spiritual development, that very loneliness is, is you know, the Buddha pointed to it, this sense of a self, the sakayaditi problem, the conditioned ego, the, the separateness of me and you. You know, we can unite maybe around uh, the, if we all uh, have the same favorite football team or something like this. You have this sense of, yeah, this is our team and we all kind of have this sense of we're all together on this one point. But then, you know, that's very ephemeral too. And then you've got to face the, 
the the conditions that are changing have nothing to do with with your common uh, adherence to to a football team. Now the solitude is, you know, how to transmute this loneliness into solitude. You now this is the this is the aim of the holy life. This what they call Gaya Viveka, Jitta Viveka, Ubati Viveka. It's not to to destroy or get rid of or or completely, you know, try to change the conditions or think that there's ideal conditions where uh, this, uh, you know, this uh, unsatisfactoriness, this dis-ease, this loneliness, this fear, anxiety that haunts us will suddenly disappear and we'll never have it again. Even in the most secure situations where we have everything we want, it's still dis-ease. Uh, anxiety still hangs around us. So dukkha is, is, this is dukkha, this is unsatisfactory, this is suffering. This is the imperfection, the nature of conditioned phenomena. Its perfection lies in the fact that all conditions are impermanent. They share this common, common characteristic. That's perfect. But there's no condition that in itself uh, has any stability or perfection in it. It merely, its nature is to begin and end. So in my own uh, practice over the years, a loneliness leads into a, a, a beautiful sense of solitude, of inner peace, you know, that is 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 not that you can't create through the ego or through you know your own willfulness, but it's through relinquishing, through letting go. So the this the the uh, you know the holy life is about not attaining anything, but letting go of everything. It's the exact opposite of any worldly uh, goal in life: is to attain and achieve get the best, be the winner, become the king, the queen, the president. Or the samana is, the, it's all about letting go, relinquishing. So see the, the holy life, the, the monastic form that we have is a is about relinquishing, it's not about attaining. And this is very important because even in Buddhist circles they talk about attaining all the time. Even in Thailand they talk about attaining stream entry and jhanas and it's just a, the, at least translated into English you always get this message uh, is that that stream entry arahant is, is an attainment, an achievement of some sort. Becoming, getting something uh, getting the best, isn't it? Become an arahant. You're getting the that's it's the best you can, or you know some Buddhists even go beyond arahant into uh, a Buddha. I want to become a a Buddha. That's even, you know, sounds better than becoming an arahant, doesn't it? 
So, I mean, this is, uh, you know, this sense of becoming, attaining, achieving is very much the modern material Western mindset in the, in, here in, in, in Europe, in Britain, in America, wherever you go. This, this is the way we think. This is the way we're programmed on the, on the uh, personal level for achieving and attaining, becoming, controlling. Getting something we don't have. If we can think of all the things that, that we should get or want, even very altruistic goals, wanting to become you know, a, a stream enter, that's a very good desire. That's wanting to become, you know, selfless being. <clears throat> or wanting to get rid of anger and greed and fear and all these nasty things that we don't like. Selfishness, jealousy. Wanting to get rid of that. But then the emphasis in, in tonight's reflection is on relinquishing, letting go. You find during this retreat, if you just, you know, when you come in here with the attitude of just letting go of everything, see what happens. Don't, you know, coming in here to, to attain jhanas or get stream entry or something is one thing, but just the attitude of sitting and letting go of everything. What happens? Nothing to do, nowhere to go. Try it out on this retreat. <laughs> the whole attitude of just relinquishing, you know, relaxing. Not relinquishing isn't isn't, you know, about getting rid of. It's just like relaxing, Draw, letting the burden, putting the burden down. It's not throwing the burden away. It's not destructive, annihilating, revengeful. It's not a denial, but it's, it's a sense of nothing to do, nowhere to go. This nothing to become. and see what the result is. Just, I found this very, very kind of relief because, you know, my personality is very much, um, you know, I'm programmed for achievement and attainment. And so in my, you know, when I, before I came to England, you know, I used to, you know, really be very diligent meditator and, and practice and sit for hours and, and develop, uh, Samatha meditations and on and like so I was quite you know I was quite willful dedicated and motivated and all the rest. But sometimes you you know it gets you get all stressed out by that. I get humorless and headachey and and monasticism then gets dreary. I get depressed if it's all about me trying to get something. Even when I get what I wanted, it's still, you know, you couldn't sustain it. So sometimes you do, you go into very tranquil states and then, and then, uh, and you, you want, and then you remember, you know, 
yesterday's meditation, what well, was wonderful. I got, I must have been in the fourth journey, you know, just such bliss I've never known. And then I came in here today and I, my mind wandered all over the place, couldn't get anything, just utter hell sat here for restless pain, nothing happened. And that's suffering, isn't it? Because you, you know, you're, you're wanting what you remember you had the day before, which, which is a pleasant memory. And then you're operating from desire to get something that you remember that you don't have at this moment. So this uh, Sakya Ditti, the self-view, personality view, if this is not really investigated, not understood, then this will affect your whole life. You'll, be, you'll always be operating from a vija, you know, no matter how many hours you sit or how clever you are, you know, how well you understand the scriptures and so forth. It's till you actually, you know, have the insight Non-attachment is like this, letting go of the causes of suffering, relinquishing. Now this is, you know, applying it to here, you know, the, you know so like Lung Pao Cha's simple uh, teaching to me before I could understand anything ever said was it's here, you know, pointing to his heart or his jitta. Or Lung Pu Kao, you know, the, the great sermon that he gave me says, Kwam Jing Yutini, and he kind of pointed to his chest where his heart is. Kwam, the truth is here, reality is here. So this is a very simple teaching. So it's not about straightening out the world, setting the society right, making everything, you know, trying to rearrange things or create perfect conditions. But see, this is an opportunity, an occasion, an invitation, uh, you know, that most people don't have in their lives to awaken. Kwam Jing Yutini, the truth, reality is here. It's not, you know, you're not going to find it in India or out there, but here. So then this, to me, conveys a sense of paying attention. You don't have to search or look or seek, but just pay attention from this point. Sitting, standing, walking, lying down, breathing is like this. Then the, the self-view is always once an isolated personality. How many, you know, as, as good as we all are, you know, moral, committed, spiritual seekers uh, in this community at Amravati, you know, how many conflicts do we have with each other just on personal preferences or ideas or views? You know, how, how angry or upset or hurt or offended uh, can we all get over, uh, you know, somebody else doesn't agree. Somebody uh, isn't doing what we think they should do or they don't, or we don't like them. We find their 
their their habits irritating or we don't trust. You know, this is this is this is all sakyaditi, isn't it? The self view. So the, this realm, sangsaric realm, is a lonely realm, a vulnerable realm, a fear realm. It's dukkha, it's suffering. But the point of the buddhiti is to understand it, recognize it is like this. It's not anybody's fault. It's not supposed to be anything other than this. You know, so the, the, in these mortal forms, and these uh, clumsy bodies we have to live with, uh, with their sensitivity, their frailties, sicknesses, aches and pains, aging and so forth, it goes on. And then our relationship to it changes from avicca, which is my body, my feelings, my thoughts, my memories, to the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. And then, of course, the aim is non-attachment, recognizing non-attachment. Realizing no self is like this. No self is not, you know, is 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 a relief because if there's any sense of a self, it it's always going to make, you know, increase the sense of loneliness or fear, anxiety, worry. No self, there's nothing, nothing. But it's certainly not, a, you know, a kind of void, uh, a like, a, or a trance. It's alert, you know, mindfulness means being alert, awakened, here and now. It's intense awareness, it's poised, it's balanced, it's not just, uh, you know, uh, the three monkeys, see no evil, hear no evil. What's the other one? Speak no evil. <laughs> now what is the difference, you know, it's the English words like loneliness, isolation, stress, fear, self-consciousness, sakayaditi, and solitude, or peace. Now the word solitude has a rather pleasant connotation, doesn't it? Seeking solitude, rather than seeking loneliness. But what is what is the what what is the point of of transition from I'm lonely to uh, this sense of inner peace and solitude? Is it through going off and living in a cave on a mountaintop? Uh, you know, is it what is it changing the conditions so that we don't have uh, responsibilities or demands or relationships with others? We can just go off and live in nature, listening to the sound of the river flowing and and uh, be at peace. Or how many of you have tried to do that and end up in hell realms 
with obsessions. You know, I found myself longing for solitude and then I go off somewhere, I'm all alone, and then suddenly, you know, all kinds of things start obsessing my mind. Foolish things. There are a lot of them, you're not, you know, just silly obsession seems to, would, would go on endlessly. It's that Gwendolyn, what are you to me kind of story. You know, that wasn't even, you know, that's nothing, it's kind of pointless, foolish kind of statement, but yet, as you know, you've heard me recite that story many times and being totally obsessed with a stupid thought and desperately trying to struggle and get rid of it. So because I wanted peace, I wanted solitude, and then suddenly this silly thing keeps coming up. Gwendolyn, what are you to me? And I never knew anyone named Gwendolyn. So I thought, maybe past lives I had I was married to someone named Gwendolyn, or, you know, so you start trying to figure it out, you know, what, what was that, you know, is there some, some significance to this name? And it, it sounds so silly, what are you to me? It just kind of, you know, I quite, in those days I was quite cynical about things like that. It's not the way I like to think or see myself as, you know, this kind of like melodrama. Gwendolyn, what are you to me? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you think, and I'm going to spend day after day this stupid thought, resisting, fighting, suppressing, and then the answer lie in non-resistance, letting go, not through through the whippawadana desire to get rid of it, just not making anything of it. It is what it is. Now the condition realm is, <clears throat> you know, it means it's, you know, it is exciting. Conditions can be very exciting. You know, condition is about quality, quantity, isn't it? It's about from the best that you can conceive of, the, the very, very best too. It's opposite, the very, very worst, heaven and hell. Romance, adventure, excitement, make one feel alive, isn't it? Romance, when you, you know, to have a romantic, to fall in love with somebody, you feel really alive as a person. Your life has meaning. It, you feel vital, stimulated, and, and that, so it's a, it's a tremendous feeling we, we, we all like. It's a high. But then its opposite is loss of the love, which is grief and loneliness. When you're, when you're falling in love with somebody, you don't feel lonely anymore, except the, when they're not around. And then you spend uh, time longing for the one you love to come. And then when they're there, then you kind of dread the fact that they have to leave. So even, you know, the Romeo, Juliet, the whole romantic melodrama uh, that it, we all find entertaining, interesting through, you know, through the, through our own experiences or through watching movies or soap operas or whatever. 
just recognize that it is, you know, this, this is a, a condition. It is what it is. It's not bad, but it, it's also, its nature is impermanent. And you can't sustain that kind of romantic love. Is It doesn't, it can't sustain itself. It's too dependent on conditions that you do not have that much ability to control. And then adventure and uh, excitement. Going to, you know, going to football matches. It excite, excites the mind. Entertainment, horror shows, racing and horse racing and climbing mountains and whatnot. All these adventures are, you know, they're, they're exciting. They're extremities of condition phenomena. But most of our life, is, you know, when we're not climbing mountains and falling in love and, and so forth, it's like this, you know, just routine, Breathing, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, boring old stuff throughout the day and night, you know, walking from here to there, getting up in the morning, putting on your robes, taking a bath or eating something, doing something, you know, so it's, it's just routine. Most of our life is in this lifetime is around just routine tediousness. Things that we just do, you know, that are, that are not extremities. Not climbing Mount Everest or finding the Northwest Passage or crossing the Antarctic continent barefoot or becoming the greatest violinist of all time or winning the beauty contest or whatever. <laughs> And then, of course, you know, the fear of, because we conceive the best, and then the, the memory, like, of wanting to experience these extremities, creates this desire. And then the opposite is fear of, you know, going the other direction, everything falling apart, losing everything, losing my health, uh, Everything becoming, uh, being rejected, being humiliated uh, by the society, being a failure, not, not having any friends, being alone, lost, unloved, rejected, out in the cold. So what I'm doing is this is pointing to condition phenomena, it's the ex extremities, you know, uh, from the best, the exciting, the most stimulating to the most dismal, boring, dreary, painful, frightening experiences. And then non-attachment to conditioned phenomena is not an extremity. It's not extreme. Nimana is not the best. In other words, enlightenment is not about the best or being a winner, or getting something you don't have, it's here and now, awakened attention, discerning 
rather than trying to become anything or get rid of anything. Now that isn't, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the avicca, the ignorant self, means that, you know, I want to attain this state of nibbana. So immediately the word nibbana becomes an attainment, an achievement. How many of you have attained nibbana? You know, remember, you know, Western monks, you know, Westerners going to Thailand and saying, who is, who is an arahant? You know, they, they want to know. You know, I want to only visit the arahants. I don't want, most of these monks are probably not arahants. I don't want, I'm, you know, me. I've got to have the best. What's the best? Even the best arahant. <laughs> which is the, the best arahant in Thailand. It gets into, you know, the absurdity of uh, its nonsense. Because that isn't how it is. It's, that's just, the, you know, the conditioned ignorance, the way we create ourselves and our views and opinions out of language, that's based on this dualism of an arahant is better than a stream-enterer. Or an arahant is better than a batuchana, which is an unenlightened, unawakened human individual. So arahant, the best, batuchana at the bottom. And so, you know, this is attachment to con conceiving, to words, to conditioned phenomena, the best and the worst. So when we, when, when this word nibbana, Nirvana. It's not about being the best. It's rea it's reality. Non-attachment is like this. It's not me attaining anything. It's just me. The me is gone, but there is awareness and discernment. Very simple. Now the 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 uh, power of this teaching to me this is a <clears throat> this is a teaching worth devoting your life to to not just to you know not as a kind of celebration of some wise Buddha of the past but it it's really very very practical. And, and very clear teaching. It's not a fuzzy kind of speculative uh, kind of teaching. It's taking suffering, the causes, the end of suffering, and the way of, of living within these unsatisfactory conditions without creating suffering around them. So the fourth noble truth is through samaditi, or perfect understanding, but when you get to that, to the fourth noble truth, that samaditi, then it's perfect. It's not, you know, it's no longer just me trying to understand uh, through my uh, personality or my cultural biases or the way I grasp Buddhism. It's profound, perfect. It's it's uh, it's absolute understanding. Samaditi, samasangapo. 
Samavaja, Samagamanto, Samachivo, Samavayamo, Samasati, Samasati, the Eightfold Path. There, but that all comes from Samaditi. And that Samaditi is the result of investigating insightfully those first three noble truths. Suffering, the causes, the end, and the path. So it is simple, isn't it? It's, a, it's taking the, the thing we most don't want in life. We don't want to suffer. And then instead of trying to get rid of it by seeking happiness, we understand it. So that's why this understanding is, is, is not pessimistic. It's not depressing. It's a willingness to, to look at experience and no longer from cultural prejudices or biases or personal attitudes. But this uh, refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha really means that you're, you're taking refuge in the purity of awareness that, that recognizes, realizes reality. Realize reality. <laughs> Recognize. This is it. You know, this is, this is the deathless. And it's not a thing, it's a, it's a recognition. It's not an object that, that you can hold up and say, this is it. It's, it's the, the totality of consciousness, from, even from the limitation of this point, of this physical form. It's a profound recognition where the, then the conditioned realm is in perspective. We just, you know, it, it changes and it, our karma ripens and we grow older and things come and go and and uh, we get praise, we get blamed, uh, we have good health, we have bad health and all the rest still goes on like it, like all conditions do. That's their nature. But that illusion, that avicca isn't, isn't the thing that we're interpreting experience through avicca bhajaya sankara. So that in the paticca samupada, dependent origination, like avicca, it starts out uh, ignorance of dhamma means that everything, all the, the, the physical body we have to live with, the emotional conditions we have, the, the whole world, you know, the seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, the planet, everything around us is influenced by avicca. So if avicca is our modus operandi, this, we start from avicca, then the result is suffering. And so the paticca samupada is pointing to that. If there's avicca, then everything Sankara, consciousness, namarupa, salayatana, pasavetana, and so forth. The whole lot is, is infected with that, you know, is seen through avicca. And the result will always be grief, sorrow, despair, anguish, suffering. So to, then what is vicha or Samaditi, or 
reality itself. And of course, this is it right now. It's a recognizable, discerned, but not grasped. It's not, it's not being, it's not a concept or an idea or a, a, a supposition. It's real here and now. Consciousness informed with wisdom. Vijnana and Panya. Discerning. Awareness. So, uh, you know, the past few years I've emphasized this, that's, uh, these first three fetters, because, um, you know, see, you know, the results of so much interest in Buddhist meditation, uh, very few ever, you know, break through that. It's, uh, you know, my practice and my teacher and my this and my that, and, and it, it goes on endlessly into, you know, how many hours a day do you sit and then what some level of samadhi have you attained and, and it, and it just goes on with, uh, with the Sakyaditi, Silabhata Baramasa Vitti Kicha operates, is the, is the, is the, you know, the Avicca and then the Sankara that we experience is, is, um, is seen from Avicca. So it's a trap, isn't it? A hopeless trap of conditioned phenomena. And you can't get out of the trap through any condition, grasping any condition whatsoever. You know, there's no, there's no escape uh, in terms of just trying to find a condition that will end suffering. There's no condition that will end suffering. That suffering ends when there's mindfulness and discernment, panya, and then insight through that that we we realize this for ourselves it's a it's a, it's a profound understanding of reality rather than a theoretical understanding of buddhism but it does take strong determination you know, so it's, uh, you know, using your, the way you are, the life you're living, like, use this. What's ever happening for you at this moment, you know, you know, how you feel or fear or think or desire, whatever, you know. It's, you know, just observe the attachment to wanting to you know, the tendency to try to get rid of, to seek to get something you don't have. It's not taking a sense, I shouldn't have any desires, because that's a, that's, you get nowhere with that, because that's another uh, avicca sankara. It's not in, in trying to get rid of or control, but trusting yourself, beginning to respect that in you which is awake and aware, recognizing it. This is trustworthy. 
and all you know conditions a sense of me and mine and and whatever you know uh, neurotic uh, qualities or or saintly ones whatever they might be there's an awareness of them it's not you know becoming a saint is not the end of suffering sainthood isn't the end of suffering so here you know this Amravati and this is the whole you know the aim of this place is to encourage this giving you you know it's a, trying to set up conditions where this kind of teaching can can uh, be heard and, and, and our practice of it encouraged like this retreat this last week before the end of the Vata and see, you know, this is a special time to where you know you're really encouraged to devote yourself to this reflective way so that you you know it, and determined to use it and don't try to solve all your personal problems or fears and whatnot problems of the sangha or the community or whatever you know that's endless trying to to uh, you know create conditions and solve all the problems around the conditioned realm is is uh, you, you can't do it it's impossible so the encouragement is to you know determine there's this determination no matter how much you're suffering or doubting or or feeling resentful or wanting something you don't have or not wanting things to be the way that we the way they are it's all development of the path if you you know if you really are willing to to look at it in this way and not create yourself into this helpless victim of circumstances or somebody that that isn't good enough or but if you do that, if you, you know, how you see yourself is not being a good meditator, not being good enough or whatever, be aware of that. That's a creation, isn't it? Sakya ditti. I'm not good enough, I can't do it, is like this. Not to mention it's opposite. I'm, you know, I'm better meditator than the rest of you. I'm, I'm really good at meditation. I'm a master. Some people call me a master of meditation. So that puts me way up above the rest of you. <laughs> but that's a condition, isn't it? I'm a master or I'm, I can't meditate, I'm hopeless, is like this. They're the same, it's a sankara, all sankaras are impermanent, not self. You know, so you know, it doesn't matter what you think about yourself, you know, in the in kind of exaggerated uh, hyperbolic terms or in just being totally critical and and feeling totally worthless. So most of the same thing. Avicca, bhajaya, sankhara, sankhara, bhajaya, vinyana. Ignorance is the cause of misery. As long as there's a vicha, then, you know, there's everything we touch is going to be infected with a vicha, and, and then the result is suffering. So the point is, is you know, to see this opportunity to, to really uh, break through that. You know, whatever the conventional forms we have, 
here, you know, in this tradition are like this. You know, it's not, you don't try to perfect and make them, you know, what you want, but use what you have for this, uh, you know, this, it's there here to support this, this mindfulness and breaking through the, seeing through, transcending the avicca through wisdom and understanding. You don't need the best conditions or be the, the, the best at anything or have the, you know, the best uh, uh, supporting condition. It's good enough here for awakening, for enlightenment. Here at Amravati, what we have is good enough for enlightenment. And, and of course, you know, you think, well, Ajahn Sumedho's got vested interest. <laughs> I'm not asking you to believe this. Uh, you know, if you go around looking for better things, you know, it's just kind of, this is what's so exasperating. People are always thinking they find something better somewhere else, and which is a vita again, you know. So, you know, how many times I, I talk like this, say the same thing over and over for years, you know, how many of you are really making it work? You know, it's up to you. I can't, I can't really, uh, you know, make you do it, but encourage you and, and then to keep pointing in the direction which is here, you know, Kwam Jing Not in my heart, you know, not, you don't look for me, but it's just a, a gesture of really observing non-critical, it's not about, you know, passing judgments about your worth or worthlessness or anything else. It's recognizing. There's a beautiful state of poised attention, stillness. It's restful, it's relaxed, it's peaceful. It's not fraught with all the uh, complicating conditions, even though we're living in complicating conditions, like the body One's body is a complicated condition. You know, you chant the 32 parts of the body. You know, that even simplifies it, but it's more complicated than 32 parts. You know, so, Kesa Loma Naka Danta Tajo, hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. This is, you know, it's pointing to, you know, simplifying. The body is just, you know, hair of the head, Hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, the surface is like this. The conditioned phenomena. And then the assumptions we make I, my hair, my complexion, my beautiful fingernails, lovely white teeth, or the opposite, you know, I, I don't, my complexion's terrible. It is too, you know, I've got solar keratosis. Got a lousy complexion, crappy fingernails, <laughs> bald head. <clears throat> and so it's, you know, like, oh, old age, you know. Or is it, you know, changing from identifying with this complexion or these uh, 
I've got these very weak fingernails. So they always cracky and they and they easily, you know, uh, break. And so I always wanted, you know, people with really good fingernails, you know, strong fingernails. I always wanted strong fingernails and never had them. This is what suffering, isn't it? <laughs> but weak uh, fingernails is, is not really suffering. It's just the way it is, unless I want to make it into some something. But this realm is, is, you know, ends in death. This is about death, birth and death, change, non-self. And that which is aware is ultimate reality. Is the deathless, is Amravati, Amata Dhamma, unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. So I offer this for your reflection.